Hey, you got Frank from Sniper's Hide here, and you're listening to the Everyday Sniper Podcast, and we have a great episode for y'all. I'm talking with Phil Vallejo from Gunworks, a Marine Corps Scout Sniper Instructor, competition shooter. You're part of the, um, what do they call it, Precision Rifle Academy or Shooting Academy, University? What do they call Uh, We call it Long Range University. Long Range University over at Gunworks. Yeah. Real good stuff you guys had at SHOT Show. We'll, we'll kind of give everybody a quick uh, catch up, but say hi to everybody, Phil, and let them know you're on the line, and, and then we'll talk a, a little bit about SHOT moving forward. Yeah. Uh, well, hello, everyone, and this is the second time I think I've been on your podcast. Uh, Frank, thanks for having me. I know we talked about uh, having one right after we had uh, met, or not met, but talked at SHOT Show, so uh, I know you're, you're just getting back in the swing of things, as am I, so I think it's a, a good time to you know, catch up and fill everyone, uh, fill everyone in of everything that, you know, you know, I've been thinking about. Yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, I, one of my highlights for SHOT Show was definitely Gunworks on more than one level. I mean, between you and Kalen and what you're doing from both the training and the competition side, but I think just having your input there and then some of the other guys that are coming around, the, the mill version, Revic, is a, is a great addition and, and I think I, I'm a big fan of the Revic scope and even in the MOA version because I just put it to yards and use it as range. You know, I don't even have to worry about learning, relearning MOA or not that I have to relearn it. But um, I, I really like that. But now having a mill-mill option is a great thing. And then the new suppressors you guys are doing with James over there, uh, you know, I, I've known him going back to the Silencer Co. years. Uh, I'm, I'm – Really excited for your suppressors, especially because they're affordable. You know, they're $800 or so for that stuff, um, which is great. And then what you and I were talking about and what we're going to talk about a little bit in this podcast is your rifle stocks and the rifle builds you guys are doing. You're one of the first companies, as far as Gunworks goes, um, who actually put the adjustability in the butt stock of the rifle, like University, almost like Accuracy International does with the AX. You guys now have it available for your stocks and rifle systems. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle for guys who want the marksmanship. And, and you know, I know you've been talking about stocks. We had the conversation with stocks at SHOT Show, especially with Regina and McMillan coming out with their A10, that shorter one. And so I, I think it just all plays into what we've been talking about for the last two months. Yeah, you know, so the, um, obviously you and I and Kalen, everyone that um, kind of learned marksmanship from um, a stock, uh, especially me, you know, I, uh, coming in the Marine Corps on the M48-3, a lot of my foundation was built off the stock. So I always gra gravitate toward that stock feel. And um, now with uh, all of our role, Two of our, our, our stocks are the Verdict and Magnus, um, and, and this obviously predates me, but um, the adjustability of that, that butt pad there for the uh, body mechanics of that specific shooter is important because I think um, other than a chassis system, I don't think um, there are any other stocks out there that, that provide that. Not without going crazy aftermarket. Um, and you guys did it in a really small, elegant way because most of them add about an inch to an inch and a half to your length of pull, That the ones that are out there that you can buy. And then you got to hollow out the back of the stock because they have that piece that goes in, um, like there's a, a rod that goes inside. So what yours, the way you did it, it's so small 
it's it's very similar to the Acuras International wheel, but in a very you know sharp design that matches your stock, and and I like that. And I wish, a matter of fact, I'm probably going to talk to some more people. Hopefully, they can buy them from you guys. I mean, why reinvent the wheel and start putting that on other stocks? I think that would be a great little plus and maybe even like a little side business to start selling those, you know, for the chassis systems because the chassis give them so much uh, flexibility, adjustability with the screws and the way things are mounted. It's like, why do they not have a 360-degree up, down, left, right butt pad on these chassis? Oh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've, I've messed with several chassis and they're, I mean, it's almost a nightmare, right? Because you almost have to, you got to put it together, configure it, try it, you know, and then be like, okay, this doesn't work for me. Then, you know, spend another 10 minutes, reconfigure it, right? Versus kind of our system that, that we, I mean, you can literally adjust it as you're firing and that, that sweet spot essentially, right? Without having to pull out screwdrivers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big key. And, and what you guys and talking, going back fundamental, we can go fundamental Phil, fundamental Frank, you know, all the way through. It's it's rifle setup. It's, it's just like our cars, man. Our cars, if you think about it, everything we do in our car is subconscious. Everything. There's, we don't think about it at all. And now we kind of have to relearn with some of the cameras and computer stuff that's happening. But it's subconscious. We set our car up for the minimum amount of movement so we're comfortable in the seat so we don't have to look and, and, and crane our neck to look out the mirrors. We want it all to focus at us, and so we drive on this subconscious level. But then you get somebody behind a rifle, and I get it. They may only have an hour a week, if that, behind a rifle. Maybe it's two hours a month they have behind a rifle where our car – you know, it's two hours a day you're in the car. And that we need to kind of push that rifle setup to, you know, the shooter out there, the new shooter, the guys coming in with the chassis system. And now even what you're talking about, the builder, the, the, the stock, the chassis builder has to understand the shooter mechanics, the shooter dynamics. And it can't be just about do you have the latest Arca Swiss rail? You know, it should be more about us. Yes. Yeah, so, I, if you if you think about the amount of time you spend behind a rifle, uh, the part of the rifle, and it, it's all in the back, right? That's where your your human interface belong, or I mean, spends the most time on it, right? Where your face is on the gun, where your hands on the gun, um, and where your shoulders contacting with that stock. Everything up front really does matter. That's all based off of you know the situation. You know, so if you should, uh, you know, precision rifle matches. Obviously, you want that uh, um, that modularity, you know, if you're a tactical sniper. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of shooters don't realize is you spend a lot of your time when you're on the gun in the back of the gun. And, um, you know, talking with you and stuff like that, I, I, I posed a question on my Facebook maybe like a week before SHOT Show because, um, you know, I was getting a lot of pictures uh, from a bunch of, you know, guys that have been following my on, on Facebook and, you know, hey, I'm really wondering about that picture you put up about where you put your rifle and everything's starting to make sense, but I feel like my length of pull is so is, is, is so long now. 
because these guys are a lot shorter than I am. I'm five foot ten, and you know, so I, I threw a question out there. I was like, "Hey, what's where did thirteen and a half inches of the standard length of pool come from?" And you know, come to find out, it dated way back in you know World War One when we were shooting Springfields, right? Where you know those guys were shooting from the standing, um, from slings and stuff like that, where they had to cock their body, and it was the average length of a, a of a like a of a you know man that was in the military, which was thirteen and a half inches, right? But now with modern day mechanics, and I'm sure I know you teach it as well. Shooting off of front support, we're, t- we're telling our students to square up behind the rifle the best we can, yada, yada, right? Now what happens is that loses that distance, right? You lose that distance uh, from being able to uh, ergonomically be comfortable behind the stock wall, manipulate the bolt, and, and get good eye relief. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's different schools of thought just to kind of go a little bit historical with that. It's anywhere from that. 15 to 25 degrees off angle with the leg cocked up. I call it the Little Green Army Man. You know, we all grew up with Little Green Army Men. We all saw them and mimicked that. But what it was was exactly what you just said. It was sling shooting. In order to get bone support and to get that forearm of your support hand vertical underneath the stock to hold it because, you know, if you're if you're on any angle off center, you're muscling it, and it hurts. Yep. So if you get that forearm directly underneath the rifle and go in a straight line, it's the same as shooting kneeling. You got the rifle is going down your forearm, down into your knee and through. Well, think of it as just the ground now. And in order to do that, you had to cock your body at that angle, which brought your face closer to the sights and took off part of the stock. You know what I mean? Because you're kind of wrapped around it sideways. Well, now we're straight square behind the rifle. And in fact, there's even another little bit of difference. We don't want our head rolled over. So we're actually tucked in a little tighter to our neck and shoulder or into the center line of our body and not so far out to the end of the shoulder muscle. We're more in line. And so that makes it where you want your stock actually a little tiny bit shorter because you're bringing it tighter in line and we're being straight and square, which pushes us back farther. And then that becomes a question of eye relief because all this, like you had just said, all this brings us, you know, from the buttstock to the scope and optic because they have a bearing on each other. And when you're, yes. when you, you know what I mean? And when you're bladed and when you're yep. off to the side and when you're trying to get that forearm, you're changing that, comp- that whole dynamic. So this is exactly what you're saying about manufacturers that should be shrinking up the stocks for recoil management, for rifle setup, and for the way we shoot today. Today, yes. And and for the, you know, um, I shouldn't say that to average height, but to accommodate smaller frame shooters, uh, more importantly. I think off the top of my head, I think there's only two chassis right now that are very, very uh, up there on the competitive side of the house, um, which would be XLR Industries and maybe um, – you know the uh, who else has like a adjustable uh, butt or um, like the pull that you can like push down to like twelve inches. I think XLR Industries is the only one because of how they design their. Yeah, I'd have to look uh, and see where like the Ashbury is because that you can change out part of it and shrink it up a little bit. Um, how about the Cadex? Cadex Defense. Cadex, I have one here. I'd have to measure it, but I think they're at the thirteen and a half as well. 
Um, this MDT, I know, is a little bit longer, but they told me they're going to be shrinking theirs up as well. I know MDT for sure is longer because I compared it to the JP, and the JP was short enough uh, for me right out of the gate. And when I compared it to the MDT, the AECC, the ACC was about an inch longer. So I'm guessing that's around a 14 and a 14 to 14 and a half length of pull uh, versus the 13. Like I said, I should have probably ran downstairs and grabbed the tape measure because I do have a KDEX sitting right behind me, but I just don't know what that length is off the top of my head. I had thought for years, wasn't the M16, the original, the A1, like a 12 and a half? Yes, it's, um, yeah, it's not that long. Yeah, I thought they shrunk the M16 up. And just nobody ever carried that over because it was never considered a precision rifle and the accuracy. But I was pretty sure that M16 broke that mold a bit. But then our precision rifles never followed it, you know, because it's an assaulter thing. And, and you know, the, the, the AR fans just don't kind of go in that way. And when they do, even Magpul, their, their Gen 3 is longer than their Gen 1 and 2 on their PRS. I don't know if um, you saw. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the Magpul uh, butt socks. Yes. Yes. They even made them longer. And the only one I know, like Seekins, who has his kind of variation on that, he shortened his up a little bit. But I know for a fact a lot of guys who are doing precision rifle on the semi side are looking for the older model Magpul uh, PRS stocks because of exactly what you're talking about, that length of pull in setting that up correctly because it does i mean you mentioned about small frame shooters and, and climbing on top of rifles and your podcast your long range pursuit podcast or uh, um not is it long range pursuit uh no uh just uh no no uh, that's our tv show it's just it's just a uh, uh, gunworks our gunworks podcast oh okay okay yeah. yeah so i mean you guys are talking about shorter guys like myself climbing up on top of rifles to get these shots off and, you know, it, it's true. You you have to climb up and figure out where your eye relief is going to be. You know, a little funny story to go back in time. My very first, like, match at Rifles Only. We're all talking about going down to Rifles Only next week and their uh, brawl yes. happening. So Thomas Blonick owned Sniper Paradise at the time was the other website. There was three websites. There was Sniper Country which was the threaded one where once you started a conversation, it never ended. Then you had Sniper Paradise, and then I created Sniper's Hide, and those were the three sniper sites at the time. Well, Thomas Blonick was associated with Rifles Only, and he was like six foot five. I mean, he's big, kind of like Shannon Kay, real tall and the whole thing. Well, my rifle went down. I had a scope break or something happened, and we were doing the uh, Charging Elephant mover stage it was like the last stage at the match and what it is is jacob brings you alongside the mover so you're you're almost where the limit board is on the on the right hand side and the mover comes at you nice. and they and they put two balloons on it and they crank the speed up like really fast to where it won't fly off the carriage but the carriage is going to hit with some authority because it's really moving fast and the balloons come at you, and you got to shoot the two balloons before, you know, it reaches a certain limit point. Well, I used Tom McBlonick's rifle, which was an Accuracy International, and he had his six-foot-five length of pull. I shot the thing like an RPG. 
and put it <laughs> over my shoulder and canted it to get to the the sights because as as like you said, uh, you guys use the smaller frame as a short shooter. I need this tiny length of pull, and this guy had like a 16-inch length of pull at the time. And there's just no way you're going to shoot that as a as a smaller person. And, and even when it's an inch off, that's still a lot more than you realize, especially when it comes to mounting your scope. So, I mean, you're, you're totally validating that's, all that's, of that. That's huge. Yeah, so, you know, the 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 problem is is a lot of a lot of um, – just people are, are not out there uh, diagnosing this issue in the sense that, um, you know, again, the sport is growing, so the, the trend is, right, uh, newer shooters are coming to these local events, right, where you have all these shooters, and, and because, you know, it's such an inviting sport, people want to help each other out. And, you know, nothing against those guys that, that, that pull much. But they're just kind of, it's like almost like the blind leading the blind. Right, it's like, hey, just get this gear, right? And, and they're <laughs> only like, really worried about the hit. They don't care how you got the hit. They no, only really exactly. care that you got the hit. They don't care. They Yeah, they just uh, care about the result, not the actual process itself, right? So, um, you know, and, and then, you know, fast forward three or six to 12 months later, this new shooter that just, you know, got into long-range shooting because, you know, the, the I mean, it, it interests him. And now he's having to relearn, uh, not relearn, but he's picking up all these small things such as, you know, um, getting behind the rifle because they've essentially plateaued or they're like, well, I'm having a hard time seeing my impacts. So the next thing is, okay, let me increase the weight of my rifle and let me go to a six dasher or six BR because the recoil is very, very minimal. It's like, no, that's not the answer. The answer is to make sure that that weapon system is fit to you so that you're 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 driving the weapon, the weapon's not driving you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they start chasing calibers and gear and things like that to make up for exactly what you said, that plateauing effect. Because they don't yep. seem they get to a certain point and they don't seem to get better. And then they figure, well, if I change to this, you know, I got a six five creed more, but if I switch over to a six br, well, that that'll make all the difference. And it's like, well, you, you know, why not just fix this and and. You, the, the interview that I did with Brian Litz and uh, Emil Praslik uh, at SHOT Show, I, I did a quick little 20, 30-minute interview with them. They talked about, we're not shooting video games, man. It's still the nut behind the bolt. You still have to do all the things correctly because the rifles today don't shoot themselves. Tracking point didn't work, didn't take over. You have to go and actually press the trigger and do all that in being out of sorts and not being set up and not being comfortable has a, not only a short-term effect, but a long-term effect on where you end up. So I agree. Yep. I agree. So what, what are the, what are the things that, okay, so I'll ask you since you've, you've ran several courses, especially up in Alaska or whatever, what are some of the trends that you've seen, you know, with, when students come with you, will come to you with like a rifle already set up? Well, it's, it, I, I think you and Kalen mentioned it, um, tearing them apart. You got to take that stuff off and put it back together. You end up kind of rebuilding a, a guy's gun. You have to put in so much. Like I do the fundamental eval, so I'm looking at that before you, you, we even really start the class. You know, you get the yeah. safety brief, you go out, you get the eval. Well, then you come in and you're doing the class and we talk about setup. 
And, you know, one of the big things is this, the scopes. The scopes are out of sort because they don't have, they don't understand eye relief. They don't understand what a clear sight picture looks like. You know, they, they're, they're missing that element on it. And that falls into play with, um, you know, that, that length of pull and setting that up. A lot of times, like Alaska is, is actually a really bad example, even though we get a lot of really new shooters up there, guys coming from the hunting world and coming from old. I mean, they got their hand-me-down dad's hunting rifles. And then they say, hey, we're going to take a class with Frank and Mark up there. And they'll say, well, what do I buy? And in the past, Mark would bring them to Anchorage and set them up. Or he would have a train up up there and set them up. But that's like a day in itself just dealing with that rifle setup. And it, it really helps when you see somebody so out of whack to take him, the, the, it apart and put it back together with them. It's quicker in a lot of ways than having them struggle through piecemeal. So as soon as you identify it, you got to rip it up. It is is kind of what I found the easier way to work that situation. And then, you know, we have we've been putting photographs up because, you know, Taylor with his foam and duct tape, he's taking these stocks and he's wrapping duct tape in foam and they look like an M24 now. You know, cuz the guy's got so much duct tape and junk on him and then we'll sign the duct tape, you know, Taylor was here. Because that's part of setting that rifle up to the shooter. And it's something I think I see more often in our classes than some of the imagery I see from other classes is that we actually have guys with stuff taped up. Yeah, I think, you know, body mechanics in itself should, you know, especially in this day and age, should be, um, you know, should be a topic of discussion which is really not, you know what I mean? Because um, the, the, the big focus I see in the industry is the, the, the invention of technology. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it's great that we there's, you know, precision rifle, in a sense, has come such a long way, way the last, what, 15, 20 years? Yeah, easily. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and with that, our, our technique and style needs to, to almost change as well to accommodate these advancements of technology. I mean, very similar to, you know, what I brought to the schoolhouse while I was at cyber school, when I started competing, I realized, wow, like we are not training the way we should be training, um, to be successful overseas. Yeah. In a fight, right. Yes, you know, it was like, man, our, our doctrine was so outdated, um, you know, from, from the Vietnam Wars and, and God, I mean, warfare, you know, especially sniping has changed since then, how we're employed and stuff like that. So, you know, my big fight was just to kind of change, um, you know, our, our qualifications and how we standardize martial and stuff like that, just because, you know, with the advance of technology and evolution of warfare, you know, we were still trying to teach doctrine from the 60s. It's yeah. like, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, we did it too. So, I mean, probably the same thing I was learning. They were teach, trying to teach you. And the yeah. world changed dramatically from 85 to, you know, 2005. And, and the, you know, that, but that book never changed. And it should have. And, and really the answer is, but it sucks because nobody wants to do it anymore, is more reps at 100. 
You know, it, yeah. it, it comes down to a couple more reps at 100 where nobody wants to pay that and do that. So you end up doing the reps at distance, and I try to kind of incorporate that in with doping the rifle where to, from in, in my brain, I'm going to dope you out to 1,000 yards, so from 200 to 1,000. Well, I'm going to use every one of those shots as best I can as a rep at 100 yards because, I mean, that was one of the things going back to rifles only is our PR1 and 2 was six days, and that's a long time to have somebody there. We wouldn't get off the 100-yard line in the first day and a half. You know what I mean? We would, we'd move back a little bit. But, I mean, you really didn't hit the tower until the afternoon of the second day. And so we were doing all those reps at 100, and, and that's where Jacob's philosophy comes. You had just mentioned about um, the Precision Rifle podcast that Jacob uh, Bynum did uh, from Rifles Only this week, which is a good eye-opening podcast. But, you know, Jacob is one of the original fundamentalists, and that's what we taught and he even made a joke about it. You know, people say, well, all he teaches is the fundamentals. And it's like, well, really, what else is there? It's the fundamentals <laughs> under these other situations. But it's being able to apply the fundamentals uh, when your brain starts to be challenged. Yeah. Right. And in and, 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 and any scenario that you find yourself in, it's being able to apply those things that are going to make you successful. Um, and, you know, he said the exact same thing in his podcast, which was great. Um, it was like, you know, everyone talks about my course and said all he teaches is the fundamentals. Well, God forbid, right, if that's, you know. Um, and, and honestly, that's the trend now that I've been seeing. I've been getting a lot. I've been hitting up a lot like, hey, I'd like to go out of your course because I just feel like, you know, you're, you would really hammer home on just the basic fundamentals that I don't know where to go from here. You know, I've been shooting, you know, in the uh, uh, you know the, the National Rifle League and the Precision Rifle Series, and I'm just stuck, and you know I, I don't know I can't figure it out. Um, and like you know after listening to your your podcast with Kalen, just really talking about fundamentals, I'd really like to you know see if that understanding and learning that is gonna take me to the next level. And I think it is right because now you have a foundation to fall back to when you're training and be like, okay, this is why I jacked that up. You know, this is the things that I sacrificed. Sacrificed jury control, sacrificed natural point of aim. I sacrificed bone support. How can I get better at these things? Right? But if, you, if you've never been taught that formally, I mean, you really don't know what you're to work for. You know, it's like on a, on a PRS barricade, let's say like a standard drill, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you take someone that, that has, hasn't been formally trained, well, to them, it's just a barricade, right? to uh, an instructor or a fundamentalist so he says okay what are the training tasks being apl applied here okay a kneeling position is a uh, uh, um so target position kneeling position standing position uh, hard on soft contact so you know breaking things down into a fundamental science right to where okay i'm abstracting all this information and this is how i can now isolate each training task for this specific event uh, well that's versus, you yeah know, totally and yeah and versus yeah, versus, the, you know, the guy that's just running a PRS barricade over and over again. He's like, well, you know, if I run this a million times, uh, I should get better at it. <laughs> well, you know it, or I mean? the answer is get a game changer or get a Saracen. <laughs> get a, you know, they, you, when somebody says, hey, I'm having a tough time, you know, with the barricades, the first question is what bag are you using? You know, <laughs> yeah. what's the, your stock? And then they're like, well, buy this and yeah. the barricade will become easier. And yes, that's true. You can go out and buy something. But at the same time, 
you can execute a barricade fundamentally and break it down and say exactly what you just did. Okay, I got to solve hard to soft contact, but I want the most contact I can get for stability. You know, so I I, want to do that. Well, where are my shoulders in relationship to my hips? Because I have to look at recoil management. So I have my shoulders forward of my hips. Well, then I need to look at my firing elbow. Do I have my support on my firing elbow? Okay, reverse kneeling. You know, so now my firing elbow can have support, whether that's with a bag or can I get low enough to use my knee? And, and so we're breaking this down into teachable moments versus yes. the short answer is, you know, the right bag with a heavier rifle with light recoil wins. And it's like, yeah, absolutely that'll win. But what happens now if I change up that barricade or make you do something different and move or do things in a way where now that heavy rifle starts to wear you down? Like I said, Amo Praslik said it best. He goes, you're, you, you know, with F-Class and bench rest and now PRS with some of the rifles at 26 pounds, it's only one variable away from being a liability. All it takes is for you to change one scenario and that rifle now you got to get a hell of a lot stronger. And for most people, it's going to wear you down quicker, which means your accuracy is going to degrade faster. And you're not going to be able to go from point A to point B. If people start putting in that movement again, and by movement, I don't mean moving from barricade step A to barricade step B. I mean moving 25 yards or more or saying you got to walk from place to place. Now you got an extra 26 pounds on your back where it could have been 12 pounds. And then seven more pounds for the game changer. And this more pounds for that. Well, if you got to go up and down the hills... Ouch. You know, it'd be actually a, a pretty interesting like survey to do is take like like say a, a match and you know, depending on where they started and how they finished, right, score wise, you know, that I mean that'll tell you right there. It's like, man, they were shooting tens in the morning and then by the by the afternoon, stages eight, nine, and ten, they were sixes and sixes and fives. Yeah, totally. I mean, that'll tell you that'll tell you immediately, you know. Regardless, I mean, maybe, you know, conditions, especially if they, they shoot the long-range stage at the very last. But, I mean, you know, if you, you kept all the stages pretty, you know, pretty the same or pretty generic with barricades or whatever the case is, I'm sure there's there's some correlation there. Oh, totally. I mean, we used to see it with Allegheny. You, you know, we'd go to sniper Allegheny Sniper Challenge. You have to walk up and down those hills of West Virginia. You wanted to go kind of lighter. And then, we you know, we started playing with calibers because it was UKD. We were using the seven wisdoms and stuff. But our rifles weren't getting heavier. This is where George Gardner comes in. And if you look at George with the the, the short action stuff he's doing, even with the the the, the SOM and the uh the gap 4S and stuff like that, he still plays in a short action playground. You know what I mean? Where yeah, technically you might have a better load if you went with a long action for that caliber, but George's stuff is still short action. Because he does look at that weight and he can then translate it to a hunting rifle and keep that weight where he wants it to be. And so he's not necessarily going heavier, but he's bringing calibers to him. And, and that's part of the game we learned in West Virginia. I mean, because that was a day, man. That you, you, didn't, you couldn't go anywhere to eat. You couldn't go anywhere to, for bathroom other, you know, for women and stuff. You're going in the woods the same as everybody else. And you're walking up and down these hills and valleys. 
So heavy equipment didn't help. And, and that's 100% kind of a UKD match where you have to rank, find it, range it, and engage it. Now, granted, by the end, we were all ranging by committee. You know, we'd send one guy on the spotter, start throwing out numbers. We'd all get ranges, agree on them, and then move forward. But you still had to move, and you would see um, guys break down by the end of the day or guys break down by Sunday and fall apart. So, you know, um, talking about a lot of these, it's just like the, the current trend of precision rifle series and, and what I've seen, you know, kind of stalking Facebook or whatever, it, it's it's almost like a, a d- distraction or um, what's the word I'm looking for? It like detracts people from wanting to join, right? Because like, well, I'm just, it's a gear race at this point. Right. Yes and no, but who says that you have to, to, to shoot, right, or to come to a match to try to win? Is exactly. that your ego telling you that? You know what I mean? Because, God, I, the, 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 how awesome the industry is. I love shooting. How awesome the community is, the people that, that are involved in the community. I mean, they're great guys. I've learned a lot about, you know, shooting, reloading, and whatever the case is that I was able to not only bring back to a sniper community, but, you know, just the – to learn to be a better rifleman, you know what I mean? Now that I'm in a position where I'm teaching hunters, right, I can influence them to, to make the right decisions when they're out in the field, uh, you know, making long-range shots on, on game, right? So, like, you know, uh, you know, the message to, you know, a lot of your, especially a lot of your uh, audience, you know, on, on cyber side and stuff like that, that are just long-range enthusiasts, I mean, go to match and, like, you don't have to go to win, right? You go to learn and and, and uh, have fun and, and uh, figure out what your weaknesses are so that when you're training back at your own own range, um, depending on whatever you're, you know, you're doing long range for, you can figure out, you know, okay, this is these are the weaknesses that I had. But I think everyone is kind of so hell-bent on, like, you know, trying the, to go to the, the top 10 side of it. Yeah, 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 the top 10 side of it. Right? And, and, like, and that's my fault on that. I mean, I always, it gets lost in my message and the noise when, some, when, I, when I kind of attack some of it a little bit. But I always say yeah. there's bucket list matches out there to go to. I'm still going to matches. If I'm bitching about stuff and I'm getting confronted at one, but you still see me showing up, yeah. you know, and, and that's the thing because it is an outstanding way of training for less money. I mean, you think about it. If you do a two-day class with with me or you, that could be a thousand bucks or more. Oh yeah. Where if you go to a two-day event, you're still dealing with all the travel. You're still dealing with the hotels and the food, but at the same time, you're spending a quarter of the money to get kind of what you want to be put in, in to challenge you is somebody else's rules because you're never yeah. going to set yourself up to fail. So if you oh. right, you know. Go, oh yeah, I mean, I, I I've been talking about this on on my podcast about uh, when you talked to you you brought that up on a different podcast that I listened to about you know when you go to the range you, you said this when you go to the range whose rules rules are you subjected to your own right you're on your own time so on and so forth so at that moment in time you're definitely applying one hundred percent. Uh, of the application of the fundamentals of marksmanship. Now you go out to a match, and now you're subject to the conditions of that of that area and someone else's rules. Well, guess what? Your brain's challenged. Now, I guarantee you, unless like it's a very familiar stage that you're used to running, 
you won't be able to apply 100% of the application of the fundamentals of marketship, right, for you to be successful. Yeah. It's Maybe you're only a, apply 30%. Well, you know, in any given situation, that's 30% impact out of a possible 100 that, you know, especially as a hunter, you, you would want that 100% scenario obviously every single time because the last thing you want to do is start, you know, maiming animals out there. The, the mental aspect of this is huge, and that throws – that's what a competition does. A competition throws like a mental monkey wrench at you on such a level that you can't really describe over the air like this. I mean, I still get butterflies and all that when I go – when I went to your match, my first stage, I was butterflied, and I knew I had a plan on the PRS side of it. I was going to take my time and – I was just going to go, and all I really wanted was 50%. I, my shoulder was jacked. I, I, you know, I really wasn't sweating that, but I knew you had the other side coming up. I ended up making a lot more of my points on the second day in the field side versus my first day. But I looked at it as where were my weaknesses? What did it challenge me? What was I looking at from the PRS aspect of it? What are those guys doing better than me? How can I manipulate a stage to fit my body type and to still be successful at it where the field stuff, I know I'm good with that and I don't really have to worry about it. I had zero butterflies on Sunday and all of them on Saturday just because I don't shoot those type of events that often anymore or because I find that with my shoulder, I run into a little bit more pain, um, you know, just kind of going that way. But at the same time, yeah, I tell people in my classes, these are bucket list matches. Hey, you can't make it to ASC because I think everybody should shoot an ASC type match at least once in their lifetime. Okay, you can't make it to West Virginia? Go to Raton and do the sporting rifle match on the backside of Raton. You know? And, and that's some crazy noise, man, like aliens and shit. Sorry. So, yeah. No, no worries. Um, so, uh, <laughs> my ghost. So, anyway. Uh -oh. um go to Raton and shoot the sporting rifle match. It's very similar in, in to ASC. They just take out some of the contrived natures that, that go on over there, you know, but at the same time, it's it's a bucket list kind of match. You know, a rifles only might be a bucket list place. An Altus or K&M, that's, you know. K&M, right, yeah, Altus, know, for th sure. Those places, you want to go shoot a match at these big giant facilities just once. I mean, in a way, you know, I, I went to all the early gap grinds, and I think they're fantastic. Right now, they're so gigantic. I almost wonder, because I haven't been to one with over 200 people. So the last two years have been more than 200 people. I think this year was like 400 people. I'm not sure how that even works on a place that only has 90 acres. But it'd be worth going to see and seeing what you learn and pick up from just this glutton of people in one place. The conversations alone are educational. Or I funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, 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 you know, I think, um, it, I mean, the sport in, it, in itself, unfortunately, it's just, I mean, there's a lot of ego that, that drives it. I think, uh, I think Jacob brought that up in his podcast, which is true, right? You know, the topic of discussion that Travis asked Jacob was, are females easier to train? And, and Jake was a little hesitant to answer. I, I would have been... Straight yeah, up. they are. They're already, we, I, we always. I, 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 yeah, I already knew the answer to that question because I've been asked that question many times, and I even tell Regina Milkovich this: like, females are so much easier to train. 
just because there's just no ego when they get behind the gun and they listen to everything that you say as long as you're not their husband. Right. <laughs> They're super um, good with uh, like with, with us. Uh, you know, I, women don't have they don't have the bad habits. They nope. they listen. And it's a new skill set for them, so they, they pay a lot of attention to it, and they're very yes. meticulous. Uh, they're not fast like we are. They have to learn to be fast, but because they're not fast when they're learning, they do a better job at it because their brains aren't scattered like ours are. We're, you know, we're thinking three different things. They're thinking what we just told them to do. And, and so you know, American men or any man really nowadays, we think we're the best fighters, the best fuckers, and the best firers of weapons. You know, so nobody's going to tell us how to fight. Nobody's going to tell us that, you know, we're not fucking that girl better than the next one. And, you know, we can shoot a gun better than anybody on the planet, which none of it's true. There's always somebody better. And it's always someone better. Yeah, always. And women just don't suffer from that. We see more, even the Alaska classes, we're getting a lot more women up there. Uh, Rifles only used to have the, the women intermittently. And, I mean, I remember when Regina showed up. And she was a staple with Jacob. You know, she did a lot of her. If you want to know Regina's secret, it's rifles only. And it, it, to be perfectly frank, man, and, and it's Jacob's fundamentals that, you know, she she wasn't spoiled by somebody giving her the shortcuts. She she went and looked for that those fundamentals that Jacob talked about. I'm, I'm actually surprised he, he I didn't hear that part of his, his conversation. But, yeah. You know, I'm I'm working this year, kind of my new New Year's resolution kind of thing. I'm tuning out some of the ego stuff, um, trying to 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 eliminate that from my complaints, because I'm not gonna fix that. Nobody cares, you know, what I say about so and so shooting that way, and it, and it, and it really does just kind of take away from the message of go shoot a match. Yeah, so yeah, that, I think you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you, Kalen and I and you have our complaints about you know where the sport um, has has headed, but I, I think what reminds us is that okay, you know, for ninety percent of the other shooters, it is a game to them, right? And that's fine, you know, uh, but you know, for people like you, me, and and, and people that are trying to uh, or to use it as a skill set to either hunt or, um, you know, in defense of this nation, right? Um, it, it's just, a, it, it, we, ho- we hold it a little bit more near and dear to our hearts and, and take it a little bit more personal, yeah. if that makes sense. No, right? totally. And, um, just because for me, I, I think I would want the current snipers to be like, oh, like, that looks cool, or hey, I, I see Philip going out there and, 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 you know, putting himself out there. Because trust me, there's a lot of ego that comes with being a sniper. You know this, oh, right? Yeah, Kalen yeah. knows this. It's just like when you go to your first match and you get ass handed to you by an engineer or a fucking sous chef, right? You're like, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. I was supposed to be getting paid to do this, and this guy just, you know, did one on me. But for me, it was like that was motivation to be like, man, I, I, I really am not as good as I think I am. Um, and I knew that by attending more of these competitions. It's not going to only make me more uh, uh, deadly on the battlefield, but uh, all my junior and junior Marines and students as well. So that's why I, I take or I look at every competition as like a training experience and, 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 you know, being able to own that battle space. I talked to Kalen about that. Being, you know, I look at every match design and stuff like that as a battle space that I want to own 
uh, to be able to, um, you know, apply it uh, if and when I ever, you know, deployed again if I decided to stay in. But that was, you know, two years ago. So yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right that attack that in in that same way. And it's funny too because you know the first time I went to uh, I hadn't gone to any comp or, or um, any training after the Marine Corps. And there was that gap when I had gotten out uh, about 10, 12 years before I started doing this really hardcore again. And I went to a match, and one of the very first matches that I ever went to uh, down in Oklahoma, Terry Cross was there. And seeing him, I mean, with me back in the 80s and not, you know, that stuff, the biggest thing for us, like bolt manipulation, they're trying to teach us to catch the brass. You know, play that game. We're not running the bolt. We're playing this silly little game on the bolt. You know, I still see to this day people who've seen it and try it. You'll get somebody in class show up, and they're trying to catch the brass or, or grab a hold of it, and they're sliding it on the back of their hand, and they're, and they're trying to get that hand to hold on to their thing. It's like, no, dude, just run the bolt because I played that game, and it it, it was a training scar that – we, we were taught to kind of like, you know, they're going to see the brass come out. It's like I'm 600 yards away from this guy, fucking camouflaged. He ain't seeing shit, you know? You know? It, but still, they're teaching us to run this bolt in this ridiculous manner. Now, it's like run the bolt. Run the fucking bolt, man. Get up there and get on it. Run it. Get to the next one. But I don't run the bolt by compromising my follow-through. I had mentioned, you know what I mean? I had mentioned that in in the podcast with the Valkyrie stuff. If you watch me with those Valkyrie videos where I'm shooting the Valkyrie at a mile, I don't come off that trigger because I have time and opportunity until I see the result. So I fire, I'm I'm freezing my position. I mean, this Valkyrie's tiny, can't see shit. So I'm freezing my position. I just broke the shot. I'm looking through the scope. Okay, there it is. Now I come off and run the bolt. But I'm doing that, you know, that's kind of my delayed follow-through because I know under time I'm going to speed it up to a case where I might not be following through the way I want to, but I'm still going to follow through correctly because I'm hesitating so much in training. You know, but I know I can run the bolt fast because I do practice running the bolt quick. And, And so that's... That you know, it's two different skill sets, and I don't want to have a a scar in my prone that's going to translate to something negative in any of the other situations. So I I, I was gonna say, as an instructor, former instructor at cyber school, you know, I remember my first three, four classes. I I'm guilty of being that instructor. I'd be like, run the fucking bolt, <laughs> you know, right after the shooter would shoot. Yeah, yeah, the, Keep the in mind, you know, get it, get around. Yeah, him. like, uh, you know, because you had you had a spotter. There's no there's no need to milk the trigger or to just sit there. Right. But you know, after shooting and realizing, I mean, you know, the op tempo and stuff like that, where you know all the guns are going to be the fight. You know, and realistically, it's not like Hollywood where like you always have this you know sniper spotter. I mean, that's you know best case usually the shooter ends up spotting his own rounds right well in, in order for him to spot his own rounds he needs to be able to what i say milk the follow through see the impact you know run the bolt make the correction and, and then repeat the process right um you know the only times that i'll ever probably run the bolt uh 
while the bullet is in the air is if it if I know that my hang time is you know one to two seconds. Yeah, real long. If, like like yeah, like six hundred yards in it. Nope, I'm 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 shooting. I'm waiting for that splash and then I'm I'm running the bullet. And I was just gonna say too, like I was gonna say six hundred yards myself and say that's a half a second. You know what I mean? So it's hitting yep. the target within a half a second. So that half a second isn't hurting you, but it's keeping you engaged because you want to see, you want to look through the scope. That's where, right? That's part of your follow through, watching yep. the result of your shot. So you got a half a second, it hits the target or it splashes and misses. Now you can come up and run the bolt quickly and get that other round in. So within that three to five honeymoon period, three to five seconds of honeymoon, you're already got another round down range without sacrificing follow through. And, and so that's kind of where my brain had gone. But it all plays into, in competitions, like you had said, are one of the best ways of putting you on somebody else's clock with somebody else's rules and then to see and use that as a training lesson to see where your fundamentals fell apart. What yes. did I break? And then, you know, I was never a fan of a, of a match booklet or the idea of a match booklet until like yours. I like your guys' booklet. I thought it was one of the better booklets I've seen from a size and layout standpoint. But then I found myself saying, well, if I got to use a booklet, I'm going to put my notes and in, in say what I screwed up after that stage in on it. So I shot stage two. I, I only got three hits instead of, you know, seven. So I should have been on the higher percentage instead of the lower. Okay, well, what did I do wrong to only get three hits? Okay, I did this, this, and this. So here are my problems, you know. I, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, and I wasn't comfortable in my setup. I went too fast, you know, in the corner. And, and you know, I should have slowed down in the corner and went fast in the straightaway. And so, you know, there's stuff like that that I could put in the booklet. Now... I have training material I'm bringing home from a $250 match versus $1,000 of, you know, paying an instructor. And I can learn things. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, your failures are your greatest teachers, right? You know, when when you go to a course, your instructor, you didn't pay that instructor to teach you to fail. So guess what the instructor is going to do? Right. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set you up for success. So a lot of, you know... Um, a, a lot of that things that happen is, you know, make conditions favorable for the students so that they have a good learning experience, all that stuff, right? Totally. I but mean, really, what are they? What are they taking away? What, what, what's the rule? Like 80, 60, 20? What, what, what's the rule? What's the, the 80, what's 40, the 20? Rule? Yeah, the 80, 80, 80, 80, Yeah, yeah, eighty, forty, twenty. Was it? Uh, so out of one hundred percent of the information you tell them, they'll only be able to understand eighty percent. Or do, I can only train. I'm only going to be able to successfully tell you eighty percent of it. You're going to okay. retain 40%, and then you're only going to be able to tell your buddy 20% of that. There you go. So that's how it kind of works out when you leave there. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And here's the thing. In my ideal class, I have three targets. I have a big, a medium, and a small. And, you know, we, we all know not every student can hit all three. And some of them, you, you know, hey, dude, hit that one, hit the second. Okay, you're good. Next guy. Because you know he's going to struggle and you don't want to leave him off on a miss. So in a class, I'm not going to try to get you to go to the next yard line unless you hit that target. So I'm setting it up for success. Oh, yeah. I mean, the instructor's wrong. Yeah, that. Y right. Um, 
because yeah, yeah, like you know, the last thing you want is like, oh, I didn't learn, sh- I didn't hit shit out here, you know, because you feel like you failed at, at at that point as an instructor. But it's like you go to a match, you spend maybe, I mean, you're spending two hundred fifty dollars for a match fee. Even if you came to a course, you're still spending money on food, lodging, and stuff like that. So it, it, it ends up working out in ammo. But now you're 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 paying to, you know, obviously add new friends and just learning about your individual capabilities, which you'll now have a bunch of creating material and stuff like that. So, you know, ultimately, you know, yeah, I think you and I are on the same page with just yeah, I, being I, riflemen in a sense that, you know, trying to go out to these competitions to, you know, identify our weaknesses so that we can, you know, learn to get better, um, depending on whatever their application for, for long range shooting is, right? If you're, if you're a long range enthusiast, like you just like shooting a long range, like I'm all for it. You know what I mean? But like, so there, there are some just long range enthusiasts that are the first on your, on your forums and on Facebook, like all these PRS shooters. It's like, you have really no room to talk if all you do is sit, you know, sit on a bench and shoot 600 yard plate. Like, and they do. I mean, you got, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, everybody wants to talk, and I get it. And and those guys are the worst ones. But I mean, you know, at the at the end of the day, the ultimate to me, the ultimate person out there listening is the guy that number one blindly or whatever goes to a match, local or otherwise, does one match once, then comes to a class. Boom. And then yes. goes back to a match. Yes. To me, those are the guys that are going to be the well-rounded marksmen. Those are the guys that you appreciate. And then they're the ones who, after they've done that, will start asking about gear and what should I buy. Okay, I did this with a 700. I did this with this. Now I'm ready to go to the next level. Okay, you, you saw this at this match. You saw this at the training. You saw this at the second match. Okay, now we can set you up for success because we, we know where your head's at. And, and to me, that's the best kind of listener out there is somebody who can do that. And even on a local level, man, it, you know, the local stuff is so good right now. You don't have to spend a lot of money, take a lot of time and go out there and do a big national match as your first jump in. Go Even if you got to drive overnight. Go do a local match somewhere that's one of the more popular good ones that you know is, is consistent and, and do that. I mean, yeah, it's 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 an extra couple hours for some people, but that's the nature of the game, man. We got to travel. We're all traveling. None of us are not traveling. So you, you got to get away with it. So I'm going to throw a curveball here at you um, okay. real quick Go ahead. In, in regards to uh, what you, you, you brought up about how – our ideal student is is on the competitive side of the house is for someone to go to a match, fail, go to a course, and then go back to a match. So I think I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, um, completely different um, like subject. It's nothing precision rifle related at all. It's actually about coaching, and you know I, I translated all of his terminology from coaching to instructing slash leadership and. I thing that like kind of stuck with me was like, okay, well, for our peers, and when I say peers, like other instructors in the industry, how do how are we evaluated? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you know, people people come out to us, right, and based off a of resume and stuff like that. But ultimately, how are now instructors being evaluated? Yeah, nowadays? it's the picture. Yeah, how their how their how their social media looks. You know, so 
I mean, I mean, is it just our social media or is it, is it, is it how we're able to articulate that information for them to be successful uh, d- depending on whatever their goals and needs well, are. Well, I think there's two right. two groups out there. There's guys that are are more social media people, which I, I don't get why Precision Rifle embraces those guys. Like handgun and carbine tosses them to the curb. You know how many different how many different YouTube guys tried to come into handgun and carbine instructor and got run out of the business. Never happens with us. But what yeah. you know what I mean. So what yeah. it comes down to is is sort of like th- what other people say about us. And, yep. and then because they don't know what they don't know. And as long as you can kind of be articulate in some level, that doesn't mean, I mean, you, you know, that you have that the skill set to teach people. But I look at like you or me or Kalen, even like a Jacob and some of the other guys by where their classes are this year, like how full you are next, you know, how many people you're teaching and how busy you are more so than the social media side of it. Yeah, a lot of social media focuses on, you know, a big thing is like, well, their status in the, the or their or their ranking in the precision rifle industry. It's like... Yeah, the, dude, I'm the top like the shooter ra- in the U.S. It's like there's 40 of or, you or, guys. Or, or if, you're not, if you're not a top shooter, you're irrelevant. Right. right. It's like, I hear that all the know, time. I'm irrelevant. I get that a lot. Like, I haven't seen... Terry Cross uh, shoot a match, but God, when he when he shot first match I ever shot was with Terry Cross. He got third place when that was when Regina run uh, Regina won TBRC, mm-hmm. and it, I mean he was he I mean, he was busting off for us because he hadn't he, I think he hadn't shot in like two years, um, and but you know Terry Cross is known to be a phenomenal instructor and, a, and another godfather of this sport. I mean Kalen has nothing but great things to say about him. Uh, all the guys in the yeah, Terry's a rock star. I, that, yeah, I look up to so it's like. You know, you can't play that card if you're like, well, you know, he's, he doesn't ever shoot, you know, precision rifles. Like, it's not about, you know, shooting matches. It's just about how, as an instructor or teacher, you're able to relay that information to the lowest level. Yeah, common denominator, right? Can you speak in plain exactly. language for people, right? And, and, and get exactly. your point across. You know, one people comment with me all the time with my videos. It's like, well, why can I say something in five minutes? But this other guy just took 35 minutes to say the same thing. And, you know, because they talk in circles, they're struggling for the right words, and they're kind of spinning up, and they're throwing everything at the wall, figuring enough of you will take pieces of that away to get something, to glean something out of it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I already learned those mistakes. I don't need to throw all that at the wall. I can get you to the point quicker and easier. And then, you know, the methodology, I take it down where – the one thing you'll never hear, even though I do it constantly, is, is well, that works for me. Oh, yeah. You know, because I'm short, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a small frame shooter, <laughs> you know. But just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to translate to you. So I need to be able to teach you these foundation tools that work regardless of your size, regardless of your weight, regardless of your equipment. And that's where my focus goes in is how can I teach you with what you brought to the table? Yep. And, you know, or do I have to blow you off and, and, and just kind of give you some platitudes, pat you on the back and make you feel good, which I don't do. It's like, dude, you're a train wreck. You need to come back, you yeah. know, and, and, and just to be bold with people. And, and I, you know, between me and the audience there, I've had people leave my course, you know, not a lot, but over the years, butthurt. 
hey, dude, you're fucking up. You know, this ain't right. And they'll leave. That's on them. You know what I mean? Hey, don't buy, don't buy your stuff in a freaking bubblegum machine. Oh, what the fuck? You're making fun of my stuff. No, dude, it broke. Because you spent the lowest money you can spend, and I get it. But, there, you know, I'm going to give you my spare if you want it. Because I always bring spares. But at the same time, you'll get people that get butthurt about that stuff, and, and they'll walk out. So you, it's sports entertainment. We're, we're, we, get, we have to entertain people, and we have to teach a class. But at the same time, it's not life or death for this side of the – what you did before, yes. This side, not so much. Yeah, for so, sure. So you, you, you got to be square with people. And, and I think being honest, even if it's a little grading at times, is a better way of doing business. You know, I'm not going to sit behind the spotter and yell hit when you missed. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's no, dude, fix it. All right, let's, let's let that gun cool down. You got it too hot. We're coming back to you. All right, man, your gun cool. I'll walk over, touch his barrel. All right, man, you're good. Fix it. And, and not let him get away with, you know, failing or doing it completely jacked up just for the sake of, hey, I got that guy's money. What more do I need to do? You know, that, that's just not how I operate. And I don't, I doubt you do. And there, there's, a, and that's why for me on the, on the competition side, I see you, I see Kalen, I see Jacob as kind of rays of sunshine in a lot of this. And the more we can kind of talk to people and maybe if we change one match to put in movement or to go and go instead of it being a contrived stage after stage after stage, mixing it up a little bit. I think we did a good job, you know, and it's, it's those small victories that will have long-term benefits. Oh yeah. Every small victory I get is the, is the message, uh, you know, post a podcast, dude, I changed my setup because I didn't realize I was doing what you just said. It's like, that's awesome. You know what I mean? They're, they're taking that, even if it's one person, right? Like, you know, that that's who the message is for. Um, you know, for that, that, that shooter out there, that's just as passionate as I am about shooting, uh, to just be better at their craft. Um, and hopefully they can, they can hear in my voice and, you know, want to have conversations with you and Kaylin, how passionate I am, not only about shooting, but about, about teaching as well. So, no, I get, that's why I got I have you on. I'm a huge Phil fan, man. I'm a I'm a fun. I watch all your videos, stuff. I try to bump them up and like them and do all that stuff. Let you know I'm watching. You know, fundamental Phil. Yeah, fundamental Phil, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And this has been great. I mean, we're hitting our hour up. So, um, yeah, for your guys for the Gunworks Long Range Podcast, I think is a really good listen. Like I said, I was listening to it on my drive today. Just getting spooled up uh, some stuff, but I see what you guys put out in your videos. The little block videos that you do on Facebook, I want you to bring them over to Sniper's Hide, man. You can share them. Give you a whole fill okay. section over there. I need to go into your Facebook. and, and All you need to do is go into um, the Advanced tab for Facebook and get the link for the video. Okay. And then you can okay. drop them in on the site, man, because the amount of traffic we have I think would be another avenue for you guys. Um, but you're doing great work out there. Oh, uh, you know, you can count me in to be part of anything you need me to be as, as far as that, because I am a fan of competition. Been doing it forever. I still enjoy yep. it. It still gives me butterflies, you know, that kind of stuff, that feeling of, oh, shoot, don't mess this up. And especially now, because everybody watches, you know what I mean? I, I've had people come up to me, you know, locally, especially I'll do really well at a local match. And some guys like, oh, I just wanted to beat you. 
And, but I, you know, I was one point behind you or something. And it's like, ah, dude, why'd you want to beat me? I'm nobody. I'm just here having fun, you know, yep. but it's still, it's okay. If that got you out and if that made you try harder, okay, cool. Beat me. I don't care. You know, ain't nothing next week. Nobody's going to remember anyway. So, you know, what the hell? Just let's, let's go have a good time. Let's go have fun and we can laugh about it at dinner, which, and you know, to give a plug, I, I like the NRL guys because they do put activities together and, you know, I was, like I said, I've been talking to Jacob about the, the NRL stuff that he's doing and, you know, him just calling me up and saying, Hey man, these guys are doing this stuff, right? These guys are doing stuff different from the others, you know, and, and it's, it's made an impression on me. So if you got Jacob calling me up and saying they made an impression on him, then you know, there's good things happening because he, yeah, he ain't praising anybody unless they deserve it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, so rifles only, huh? That's that's your next match. Yeah, next. What is it? Next week or something? It's, yep, next weekend. I may go to the train up, man. What do you uh, What are you gonna be shooting? Just a six five Creed. I think I'm gonna shoot this JP that I put up uh, today. Just a six five yeah. Creed with some factory. I actually was okay. trying one forty sevens today, just to see because rifles only. I figured there might be some wind down there. Um, yeah. So I may do the one forty sevens because this gun seems to like them. So uh, uh, Fritz just spun me up a rifle, and I just threw the barreled action in the chassis last night. Took it out today, chronographed it, shot a couple rounds, zeroed it up with that zero compromise scope. So I think I'm going to bring the JP zero compromise on a Bighorn 6.5 Creed, shooting some factory nice. Hornaday. Okay. I was going to bring the <laughs> nice setup. Yeah, I was going to bring the Valkyrie, but um, I was afraid Jacob was going to make us uh, for the semi-autos drop the mag. And I didn't want to have to rack it all the time because I don't like the Valkyrie magazine. If I have to pull them them rounds out of the mag too or out of the uh, rifle too much, they'll foul. Uh, so I was going to shoot a Valkyrie down there, but only because I know Jacob usually for the semi-auto guys, he makes them um, clear and safe when you move. So uh, I wasn't going to do that. Awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, getting behind that zero compromise uh, outside, outdoors. I don't, I don't, well, maybe I'm going to Arizona this week, the National Rifle League Arizona match this week, and then I'll see you in rifles only next week. But yeah, looking, looking to actually being with you and, and Jacob and, and shooting, the, shooting the shit. Uh, did I tell you that uh, I went to rifles only in 2011, right after I graduated from cyber school? That's right when so I left. Been, so you just missed yeah. me. Yeah. So I, I had just, yeah, I just missed you, but I mean, that was my first taste of, I mean, civilian instruction and what was great was, um, and I know we're meeting our time, but it was great because, you know, when you're a, a student at cyber school, I mean, you're just getting yelled at by instructors all the time and majority of the time they're just telling you to do it because, because it works. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just, just shut up because it works, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's what the guy before me told me to tell you to do. It, it, exactly. But it was great because I mean, uh, I mean, Jacob did that fundamental eval, and I mean, he broke everything down to a science. And he, and I mean, it was just it was a it was a perfect course to go after after cyber school to reiterate that foundation. And I, I think uh, I, I contribute a lot of my successes to you know my my sniping career as far as martial it goes because of attending uh, rifles only course. So there's a plug for for uh, his course yeah. as well. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you calling in. We got we're a little over an hour. Good, man. This was a great conversation, and I Absolutely. look forward to it. And if we have to, we're down there. Maybe we'll do another one sitting around one night. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what it looks like down there. 
But uh, sounds good. Yeah, I know Gardner will be down there, so I'm going to talk with George a little bit. So another Godfather of the sport. We'll, we'll bring it. It'll be like the uh, the three Godfathers there. But yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. All right, man. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get ready. And I thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks to everybody out there doing that. And uh, yeah, Phil, stay on the line. I'm just going to kill the recording, and we'll we'll close out. Yep. Later. <laughs>